0: You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong
1: performance. morning everybody and welcome to another episode of Her Body brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm your host Alex Navarro and I am especially excited for today's episode because we have a guest on today whose story is inspiring and exciting and I think it's going to resonate with a large population of our audience for several different reasons. And uh, this special guest is um, actually been a client of mine for a few years now. I think we're coming up on maybe three years. And it has just been a very educational and informative and fun few years that we've been able to kind of play with things and experiment with different protocols, and she and I have learned a tremendous amount about not only what somebody's capable of doing, but the process of setting goals, achieving goals, trial and error, the whole gamut. So I'm just going to do a brief introduction of her and then let her kind of lead us into her story and how all of this got started. So carry through it did I say it right? You did. Okay, good. <laughs> Is our special guest today. And Carrie, why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself, your background, sort of uh, who you are, and then we'll we'll jump right into your story.
0: Thank you, Alex. Actually, I've already gotten a little emotional just listening to you do the introduction, and I figured I would uh, throughout the podcast, but I didn't know it would come this soon. (laughs) But this is such, (laughs) such a happy day for me. So let me first start just giving you my academic background. Uh, I have an undergraduate degree from Texas Tech University in biology and math, I got a teaching certificate and taught high school biology for four years in Shoe, Texas. And then I got a master's degree at Texas Tech in environmental toxicology. And for that research, I looked at thyroid gland dysfunction, its effects on the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis. When I finished my master's degree, I went straight to get my Ph.D. at Texas A&M. I got the Ph.D. in neurotoxicology where I researched the effects of methylmercury on the developing in embryonic and fetal nervous system. And then further certifications that I received since then are the personal trainer certification from the National Strength and Conditioning Association, and the nutrition coaching certification from Precision Nutrition. So that's who I am academically. But (laughs) let let me tell you, (laughs) <laughs> it is that okay I need to take a little drink now that was a little bit of a lot of words <laughs> but I think
1: your background <laughs> is is very important in this whole story because knowing you know how you approach problems how you do research how you collect data I think has been very relevant throughout our whole process together and that. You know, system of gathering information and testing it out through trial and error and investigation has been critical in our success thus far. Would you, would you agree?
0: Absolutely. It, it is the reason that, that I have ultimately been able to lo- lose this 165 pounds. And that Ooh. is who I am. That, that's who I am today coming to you is a person that has lost 165 pounds and I want That's to know like how person. I did it. It is. That's a whole other person. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's actually kind of a large person, you know, depending on age and size. So, and you're, I mean, you're not
1: stature wise, you're not tall.
0: You, no. So you I'll, carried
1: around a significant amount of weight.
0: Yes. I'm five foot two. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, 100 and uh, well, my highest weight was 300 pounds. And I carried that for a good 15 years. And so, yeah, I was carrying a lot of weight, but, you know, it is so amazing how life comes full circle. Here I am on this podcast uh, talking about this weight loss, but actually when I discovered dangerously hardcore biojack radio (laughs) episode one with Monty Spicer, (laughs) it was a game. It was a game changer for me. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'll tell you about that a little bit later, about the day I remember listening to that podcast and how it fit into what I had learned up to that point. But it, this is amazing how life can come full circle. Mm-hmm. And so re- basically the story I'm going to tell you today is how I even found you and Kiefer and Carp Knight. And it actually all goes back to when I was in high school in 1986. <laughs> Take it away. Alrighty. So in high school, um, when I graduated, I weighed 160 pounds. So I already mentioned I was five foot two. So I'm, I wasn't a tiny person, but I wasn't also obese either. But let me explain, though, I don't feel as though I was a stereotypical fat person, at least how you know people view fat folks. Um, I did water skiing, snow skiing, played softball, played basketball, did gymnastics, I was in the marching band, I graduated second in my class, I won many academic competitions, I played the piano, I played the trumpet. Okay, so this is who I was as a person, but I exhibited some really interesting behaviors even early on, and I would sneak food, I would hide it and bring it into the house. Also, I never got full. I, always, I could eat and eat and eat and never feel full. And then most of what I was eating were carbohydrates. So I did love them.
1: Mm-hmm. I was about to ask, was that, you know, do you think your food choices at that point were part of the problem? You know, in, in terms of not feeling satiated, um, you know, obviously you're, you're getting that, that happy, warm sensation when you do eat carbohydrates too. So it probably
0: just had a Mm -hmm. trickle-down effect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of course, I'm looking at all this in hindsight, but uh, (laughs) definitely the food choices were a key. Um, I did dabble in weight loss a little bit in high school, and my senior year with my very best friend, I did Weight Watchers and for a few months. So that was my first also dabbling in diets. And I'm happy to say again, full circle, that I'm back in my hometown for a short period of time where I've reconnected with her. And so that's a neat relationship, too. So, yeah. Okay. So graduated high school, 160 pounds. Well, I didn't get the freshman 15. I got the freshman 50. And at the end of my freshman year, I was 210 pounds.
1: It's a big jump in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, that is in a year. The thing is, is Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't even see it coming on. Uh, You know, just like in high school, in college, I was active. I was a member of a health club uh, that was associated with a hospital. I would go three days a week. I was in the marching band. The band was called the Going Band from Raiderland. And (laughs) I was one of the lead trumpet players. I was active in that. It was Texas. And of course, we have to go two stepping every weekend. So I was yes. dancing. I was in sorority. Three of those years, I was an officer. I made good grades. You know, smart, popular, really super duper active. How on earth do you gain 50 pounds in a year?
1: Well, and, and it just makes me wonder, you know, if you if you had continued eating the way that you that you were at the time, and you weren't as active as you had been. How much more you would have put on? I mean, at, la- at least oh. at that point, there. I mean, clearly there wasn't a balance of of energy <laughs> input or or output. But you know, you were obviously outputting enough to where you were still able to put down that amount of food, but still gain the weight.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. you were putting it down. I really was. I really was. And now that is something for another day, probably, where yes. <laughs> we will go into detail about what the food was and how much. Mm-hmm. But I do want to touch on some of the behaviors. Um, there were no limits to the amount of food I could get in college. I had money at a checking account. There was the dorm cafeteria. Uh, there were no stops at all. I did a lot of eating alone. If I wasn't active, I was eating. Uh, I did sneak food. I would also pair myself with other eaters. So people that I knew that would like to go to a certain restaurant, I would ask that person to go with me. Uh, Also, again, I never got full. Now, this is something else that I remember happening. I didn't see a fat person in the mirror. And... When I remember, oh my gosh, at the end of my freshman year, I went home to see my parents. We have a swimming pool. And I put on a bikini. I weighed 210 pounds. Mm-hmm. I put on a bikini. And I remember very, I don't know why this is so clear in my mind, but I remember looking in the mirror and going, girl, you look good. And going out to the swimming pool and swimming. Well, Great. I had a good self-image. Well, good image. for you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but wait a minute. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. You know, a lot of people look at themselves and they say they look bad when they really look good. I was looking at myself and saying I look good when I could not have. Mm-hmm. And so that was curious. Uh, as far as dieting goes during those years, the only thing I ever did was I tried low fat And I tried counting calories, but really not very often because I didn't care. Hey, man, I look good, right? And I feel good and everything is all well. Right.
1: I mean, at that point, if you're, you know, you're not seeing what's really there um, and you're comfortable and you've got the behavior down, why change it? If there's no risk at that point, you're clearly happy with how things are, then why change? And I find that a lot with with clients who want to make, say they want to make a change, but the need isn't actually there. The threat, Mm -hmm. uh, the risk isn't actually there. It's not motivation enough for them to actively take the steps to make the changes.
0: Yes. It's too hard to do if you don't have some sort of really good intrinsic motivation. Well, then when I graduated from college, I weighed 280. Okay. Yeah, it's right on up there. Now, mm-hmm. another thing that also probably kept me from being motivated is I never was without love, without companionship. I got married the day I graduated high uh, college. So I walked down the church aisle instead of the aisle at the auditorium oh. <laughs> <laughs> for my graduation. And so yeah, I, I had love. Okay, so I got married and go off to teach high school And also, let's talk about the activities I did when I was married. Uh, I had a home gym. We had a nice big house. I had a Stairmaster, one of those cool ones that they used to have in all the athletic departments across Mm -hmm. the country. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had full sets of weights, a weight bench. I had every DVD, oh wait, slash, that would be VHS, (laughs) because it was that (laughs) long ago. Every, Every VHS workout video under the sun. And by golly, I used them. I taught biology, I uh, was the director of a church choir, I was in a jazz band, I was a DJ, I taught piano, trumpet, and voice lessons, and I wrote, directed, and produced a musical all in four years. So (laughs) I'm pretty active and... (laughs) Again, you know, it's the same story. You like to stay busy, don't you? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so type A. It's
1: it's almost like the question is, when did you have
0: time to eat the way that you were? Think about that. When? Imagine how much food I had to put away in short periods of time in order to gain another 20 pounds so that I left my marriage, got divorced, at the end of those four years, weighing 300 pounds. Amazing. Now, there are some, you know, you think you, you know, the person that you love and you spend your life with, you think you share everything with them and tell them everything. Oh, my, I had so many sneaky eating behaviors that I could do behind his back. Um, Mm. You know, again, a podcast for another day for that whole behavioral thing. But you know, that's, that doesn't set the stage for a good marriage when you're hiding that kind of thing from the person that you're supposed to love the most. Again, I didn't see a fat person. Now, I also didn't care too much to lose weight. I did go on one diet during that time because I was involved with the church there. One, the church offered this program called Way Down, and it was the biblical way, God's way to lose weight. So mm-hmm. I tried that. Yeah, yeah. Uh didn't lose any weight. But, uh, you know, I didn't care, kind of, at the time. Even though I did, mm-hmm. I didn't care. So, all right, move on to getting a master's degree. Now, the really the only thing I need to tell you about this is that I've maintained the 300 pounds quite effectively, you can just imagine getting a, a graduate degree. It's very time-consuming. And this is where the most complex, carefully planned and executed binges occurred. And oh,
1: interesting. Because well, everything you do is, is very planned out and organized. So it only makes sense that you'd have to fit that in somehow. You might Excellent. as well do it in a structured way.
0: Oh, shoot. I hadn't even thought about that. But you're right. You're right. A lot of people talk about their binges being out of control where they can't control themselves. Well, it's true. I couldn't control Mm -hmm. myself in the sense that I couldn't make it stop. But boy, it was executed in a very organized and planned manner. From 5pm on Friday afternoon to 9pm on Sunday night, there was not a minute that the food intake was not planned.
1: Wow. Yes. That's like an extra job to plan that out. And I'm assuming yeah. so you're, you're planning out food choices and where you're going to go and what you're going to have oh. and, and maybe even like the sequence of
0: snacks. <laughs> oh, now. yes. Absolutely. The sequence. The sequence is very important because you might, you know, you don't want to de- uh, destroy the palate with one food before you have another food because then you might not fully taste it. <laughs>
1: mm. That's yeah, amazing.
0: Crazy. Experienced
1: eater. I thought I was an experienced eater. <laughs>
0: No, nobody ever wants to get as experienced as I am. And so hopefully I can stop people before they get there. So I'm um, one diet. One diet I tried during this time frame, and that was Atkins. Um, I liked it. Boy, I liked it. Because I would drink uh, half gallons, no, quarts, the quarts. I would drink the quarts of heavy cream delicious i oh, thought it was this makes sense from, oh yeah At-
1: from a conversation we had you know maybe it was a year year half year and a half ago regarding some some heavy cream oh yeah, it, yeah. making with yeah. cream balls and freezing it in oh, the freezer
0: yes yes i forgot i told it's you it's all about coming that.
1: back <laughs>
0: yeah you just put a little artificial sweetener in those and freeze mm-hmm. them and they're just like candy and well Adkins did not work for me <laughs> Without a doubt.
1: <laughs> well, it's one thing to have you know some basic guidelines as to you know what the the rules are within a diet, um, but for someone as experienced as you are, finding you're going to find a way to manipulate that.
0: Absolutely. Um, like, oh, definitely. I can have some fat.
1: That doesn't mean drink a quart of of heavy
0: cream. Mm-hmm. No, no, it doesn't. And um, oh, I would do. Oh, one of my most delicious treats was. Diet Coke. Of course, we can't have any, um, you know, sugary drinks. But half Diet Coke and half heavy cream, and that might be in a twenty-four ounce container. Holy cow! It's like so, a, root-
1: yeah. it's like a melted root beer float.
0: Mm-hmm. Tasted delicious, and so- was not, not wasn't useful for fat loss. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, so I guess. Now, we have a little turning point here. This is a turning point in my life. And the reason why is because right about this time, uh, my brother got married and I got two nephews. The little loves of my life came into play right at the end of my master's degree when I was about to start my PhD. Let me tell you, when those little boys entered my life, my heart just became different I loved them so much. I wanted to be the cool aunt. I wanted to run and play and be with them every second. And this is the first intrinsic motivation I had to change. And it, and it was really about how I felt, not about how I looked. And so that was cool. Um, and let me uh, let me go on a side for a second. Um today one of those those both of those little boys are grown. One of them is a senior in high school and he lives very near me right now. He stopped by the house this morning on his way to school and he came in and he said, So this is your podcast today. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he said, Well, Aunt Carrie, don't be nervous. You're really smart and you have a lot of stuff in your head. And everybody knows you. Everybody knows you like to talk. So you just tell those people everything you have in your head, and it'll be fine.
1: (laughs) That's great.
0: I know, and I'm like thinking, oh, those people don't want to know everything I have in my head. But thank you, and I feel better. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, those boys were fitting. I know it was perfect. It was perfect. But I feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they have their kids or their nieces and nephews, and then they realize, oh, my goodness, I want to be there for them. I want to do with them. I want to play with them, uh, you know. And so, you know, that's a great place to start to be motivated is to make yourself yeah, well, better. And-
1: for, yeah, exactly. It's it's one thing to do it for yourself, um, but for, for people who often, and, and this is a, something I talked with my dad a lot about when he's talking about the different path types. You know, your Mm -hmm. behaviors are based on your path type. And it's interesting when you find someone that's uh, family-centered or family-oriented, where they tend to put the health of their family members first. And then, therefore, their health declines because it's not a Mm -hmm. priority. They're focusing on Mm -hmm. everybody else. Um, But when they're able to turn that around and take care of themselves and see that as a way to then take care of their family... it's a game changer. So finding that reason, whatever, maybe it's outside of yourself, which is what happened sounds like with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it it was it was great, because it got me wanting to want to change. And that is a that's a big step. um, Because I had never even wanted to change. And then now I wanted to want to change. So yay, I've moved forward. So I went off to Texas A&M to work on my PhD and uh, I hired a personal trainer and I was working on my PhD for eight years and I had a personal trainer, various trainers, but that whole time and I scheduled three days a week with that trainer and I lived it. I went every time. I also every week did a yoga class, a Pilates class, a Zumba class. And a kickboxing class, along with my three oh. days of personal training. So clearly, I'm doing a lot of exercise, which at yes. some point we'll discuss may not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I I was taking things more seriously now and dieting. Okay, let's talk about all those diets in those eight years. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Atkins, Weight Watchers, South Beach, Low Fat, Low Calorie, 5 to 1,000 calorie, 500 to 1,000 calories. Wow. I did The Dallas Diet, Richard Simmons, Deal a Meal. Okay. See if you remember this one. I don't know. You might be too young. Okay. <laughs> Susan Powders, Stop the Insanity. Oh, my, that was a great it one.
1: It's like something my mom tried at one point or another.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did Jenny Craig, The Zone. Um, and I loved the Zone Diet because they right about that time they came out with little meals that you could buy. I could mm-hmm. eat twenty. I could eat twenty a day. I loved the Zone oh my Diet. God. <laughs> I don't think that's what they had in mind. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I did. Nu- I did Nutrisystem. I did the Beverly Hills Diet. I did the Grapefruit Diet, and I did Slim Fast.
1: How long did you give each diet before? shifting into something else? I mean, was it that you didn't see anything right away? Or was it that you found too many ways to take advantage of it?
0: Uh, that is a where you then
1: realized maybe it wasn't right for you?
0: I didn't have that much insight at that time. Because what I was really dealing with was a food addiction. And so to say, oh, this diet isn't working, I'm going to try another one, actually wasn't a thing. I just could not follow the diet before I just fell off the wagon and went back to my old ways. Mm-hmm. So there was not a good scientific process to, is this working? Why is it not working? It was just try this. Oh, I failed binge for days and days and weeks or months, try the next diet on the list. So at least I was trying diets. And Mm -hmm. because I was a scientist, basically I was gathering data all of that time, not using it to my benefit in any way, but I was gathering data. Ultimately, what I did learn during that time is that I had some very serious like this was a light bulb I had some very serious eating disorders Mm -hmm. and when I was talking to my dad and there's this little place down the road from us where it's a drug rehab facility and my dad would go down there sometimes and talk to the guys and I had been telling my dad some of the behaviors that I was exhibiting with food. It was the first time I'd really come to be able to even verbalize such a thing. Well, he was listening to one of some of the drug addicts and talking about their behaviors and how they would, you know, go off the wagon and come back and so forth. And dad says, This is weird. He's like, This sounds just like my daughter with food. Mm -hmm. And we had that discussion, and I, I realized that there there was definitely some behavioral issues going on, some amygdala issues, some real mm. neurological things happening. And, you know, that's something we will want to talk about on another day. And yeah. also included in that is that I still didn't see the fat person. I saw right. somebody that couldn't keep up with my nephews, but I still didn't see a fat person in the mirror. hmm and you so. were still
1: still really active and clearly able to do all of the activities, like the training yeah. and all the classes and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah. for someone who is active as well, like you, you, you're comfortable moving and being able to do all of the the moves and the, you know, weightlifting and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. If you weren't able to do that, then maybe it would have been something you you would would have been more aware of or seen
0: exactly, then. right? So. At the end of my PhD, now I looked at the scale and I had lost some weight. I had lost 40 pounds. But that was in eight years of working Mm -hmm. out like an insane person, dieting, you know, almost nonstop. I lost Mm -hmm. 40 pounds off my 300 pound body. You would think it would have been more than that. And that, that, that just slapped me upside the face. I was, I was trying to apply for jobs and look good. And all of a sudden, I went, aesthetics do sometimes matter. Mm-hmm. Holy schmoly, people are going to judge me, sadly, by the way I look, regardless if my neurotoxicology PhD is worthy or not. Right. And that made me think, biologically what just happened over the last 8 years you know behaviorally what happened physiologically what happened and what didn't happen and why okay so man the things that come into your life that are just just blessings and that you can learn from are amazing i got this cool cool job in san francisco so i take off cross country getting my trailblazer with a little trailer pulled behind drive to San Francisco from Texas for this job, live in an extended stay hotel for two months, had no place to live, didn't really care. This job was cool and fun. And it ended up being a a lifesaver for me. So the job itself was doing research and consulting for a human health risk assessment firm. And we did work for big industry, pharmaceutical companies, doing expert witness work for litigation. And then, also, part of my job was working as an outside consultant for uh, regulatory agencies like EPA and FDA and Health Mm -hmm. Canada. So, all right. So now I'm getting to see uh, the world in a way I'd never seen it before. And I learned two big things. The first one, two experts, and I put those experts in air quotes here. They can read the exact same research, they can form seemingly objective opinions, and then believe those opinions so fully that they can honestly get on the stand, claim it as fact and truth, and both of their conclusions are completely different. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay, and then the second thing I learned was that the government regulatory agencies are so slow they are so behind in their recommendations new research gets published far faster than they can keep up and i experienced this personally in my job there were two potentially toxic chemicals that i had to research and report on and the fda was absolutely completely behind the ball i mean they they couldn't they couldn't keep up and I was shocked. I was saddened. But all of these were light bulbs. I went, oh my gosh, holy schmoly, might the experts be wrong? Might the recommendations be wrong? Is it possible that every diet I've ever tried and everything I've ever heard about uh, exercise and fitness might be wrong?
1: Possibly. Yeah,
0: possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, what am I going to do about that? I was like, oh, I'm the expert. <laughs> I, did, I did not get a PhD for nothing. I'm the expert now. I can figure this out. I can do this research. And so I did so. So what I did is I started my own research into the biochemistry of food. I looked at the current research, you know, everything that was coming out on PubMed as soon as it was published. I also went back and looked at old research. What was the research that all the recommendations were based on originally? Um, I looked at other people's opinions. I started reaching out for fringe opinions, fringe ideas, Mm. things that were different than status quo. Um, That's smart,
1: too, because it it seems like maybe those people were the ones doing, you know, taking their investigations to another level as well.
0: Exactly. Because technically, I was one of those fringe people in my job, because that's Mm -hmm. what we did is that we tried to research on the cutting edge. We tried to make sure that we were ahead of the game thinking forward so that we could, you know, bring something positive to our clients and and so, yeah, those fringe people ended up being very important. Actually, you're one of those people. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would, I also used myself as a guinea pig. Uh, I used myself as my own lab rat and really started to experiment, see what worked, what didn't. Went back and did some of those diets and actually figured out how do I look, feel, and perform doing this. I had a personal trainer the whole time I was in San Francisco as well. And so, you know, I was keeping up with with the exercise and the fitness as well. And then I want to tell you a little story. I accidentally did carb night. (laughs) And and, and this was was actually a very important uh, piece of my data. I was working on this project uh, for the military in Iraq, and it took six full days. And I had not gone to the grocery store ahead of time, but I knew that this was going to be all encompassing. So I just took all the food I had in my house, cooked it, prepared it, and took it up to the office with me and basically slept there for six days. The food I took with me was eggs, bacon, olives, pre-cooked shrimp, broccoli, and butter, and coffee. <laughs> Sounds pretty low to me. With- I know. So I was like, okay, I like all this food. It's fine. Whatever. Just just eat it. And so I ate all of that food while I was up there working for those six days. Finally came home, went to bed late Saturday night, got up early Sunday morning, got on the scale, and I weighed eight pounds less. Mm. Uh, what just happened over the last six days? This is freaky deaky. Well, whatever. Just, just, Just tally it away. Put it in my head. Went on, of course, had to do a carb binge at that time because I had You're not ready. had to, Well, I was ready, but then that was just what I did. You know, it was I hadn't eaten very much for six days. It was time to have a good time and eat a bunch of food. But what was interesting is that even though I sort of went back to the eating that I was doing previously, I did not gain those eight pounds back. There was uh-huh. something that happened to me. Physi- physiologically. And I did not gain those eight pounds back. Also, I felt good. And I, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you're, you're researching this now. What just happened? You okay. look good. You feel good. You just basically spent six days without sleep, which is not anything I recommend. But I didn't have sunken eyes. I did not have discoloration under my eyes. I was not fatigued. I, I was on my game. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is important. So what I did is I thought, I don't know what just happened, but I do know this. I feel better when I eat more protein. Mm -hmm. So good observation. For the next year, mainly what I did is just eat more protein. So I've got this trainer. She is. She was amazing. I loved every moment that I spent with her. She took me through ups and downs, and you know, listened to all my crazy stories about my job. And she also worked with me in all my experimentation. You know, because I didn't always get the goals that she thought I should have for myself. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. always achieve them, but that was okay because she knew that I was doing research the way I needed to. And she came to me one day, she said, I've got a book for you. And she said, I I don't know if it's legitimate or not. Could you assess it for me? And it was Tim Ferriss's four hour body. Uh And she said, she said, it's a slow carb section. Took it home and read it that night. And I came back the next day and said, I'm doing that. There's something scientifically valuable with that diet and I am going to try it. So I tried it. I did not lose any fat, but I did gain strength and I felt good and I had energy, but I would still go out of control on the weekends and binge. So then I thought, okay, something is wrong with this diet that doesn't work for me. What might it be? And I realized he, his protocol says to eat lentils and he has people eating Ah. lentils. So they keep their calories up. But I I identified that when I would eat the lentils, it would make me want to eat ice cream and candy. Uh
1: That's a very good observation.
0: Yeah. I was like, I don't I don't I'm taking out I'm gonna take out the lentils. So And you would never uh,
1: correlate lentils with being a trigger food.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Usually it's something
1: like like bread or or something more Mm -hmm. along those lines. Mm -hmm. But you think of like so healthy that it probably wouldn't have that Exactly. Or
0: you have, you have one scoop of ice cream and then you eat the whole gallon, you know? Yeah. No lentils. Why, why would that be a trigger? Whatever. Whatever the reason at the, I know why now, but I took them out. (laughs) And as soon as I took them out, fat loss happened. Um, Mm. I thought, huh, beans might not work for me. Wonder why that is. So, but the Tim Ferriss, if if you know him very well, he's very well connected, and so that got me listening to his podcasts and um, looking at people that were connected to him, and that brought me to Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, mm-hmm. and yours truly, Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, okay, so I I told you that that was a game changer when I heard his first podcast, and I remember it very clearly. I was On the BART platform, that's the public transportation system there in San Francisco, I was on the platform in Oakland, California, waiting to go uh, into the city, popped in this episode one. I was like, oh, I'll listen to this. It's got um, Monty Spicer. My friend, Christian Newman, had just gone to Monty to have some physical therapy work done Mm -hmm. for her sports physical therapy. I'm like, "I'll listen to this. I could not stop listening. I listened to his podcasts all day long that day that those biojack. And then, of course, Alex, you were on one of them and you had genius things to say. Kiever had genius things to say. The science was so valid and everything started making sense. I took the last 15 years of my life and everything that I had experienced, I took the data that I had gathered over the last few years there in San Francisco and put it together with what you guys were explaining. I read carb night, I read carb backloading, and I said, this is what I need to do. This is my next experiment. And truly, I wanted to experiment with carb backloading, but I knew logically, that wasn't the one for me. I wanted to do it because I felt like I was going to get to eat carbs more often.
1: (laughs) Again, trying to manipulate the diet in your favor. I like it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I knew I need to do a good research project here and I got to do carb night. Mm -hmm. And I had good results. I had very good results. But I thought something is not quite right. You know, I don't know what it is. Is it my own behavior that's the problem? And so I started hammering on Kiefer via email. And he was mm-hmm. so busy right then. He couldn't pay attention to me. So then I started stalking you. And I was like, could you please help me? Help me do this. <laughs> tell, you know, tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And, um, you know, and, and that's when you and I connected and when we did, there were just amazing thing that, things that happened. And I want to tell you, before any fat came off, my body began to heal. And I had suffered from arthritis for years and years and taken Mobic and Advil every day. My arthritis went away. I also had thyroid problems and I was on thyroid medication and I got off of those. I had depression and I was taking Welbutrin and I got off of that. I had heartburn and acid reflux every night, was taking Maalox and Tums every night, quit taking those. I had fatty deposits in my eyes and they went away. And then I had lipomas, which are not just fat, but like fat, hard fat blobs under your skin. And those went away. And all of those things started going away before significant amounts of fat came off and so i think i think that's very is-
1: important to to just say again because so many people come in with their, you know, their, their main goal in mind, which for a lot of people is to shed body fat. And mm-hmm. so many positive things can come from just making that, that those simple diet shifts. Um, mm-hmm. So many amazing things can happen internally that we're not necessarily going to see right away when we look in the mirror, mm-hmm. but stuff mm-hmm. is happening. And a lot of times we need to fix the inside first.
0: Because yes, most of I, the time
1: in like a lot of the bad diets, yeah, you might lose a lot of weight, but are you actually getting healthier in the process?
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think, well, I know now that I've even researched it further, my body had to heal before it was going to let go of the fat. Mm-hmm. Because as long as I was in a state of inflammation, as long as my body thought it was sick, it was under stress. And that is a direct signal to retain body fat. And really, when I began to heal, then my body became more in homeostasis, and the fat started to come off. But then also as I began to heal, especially something like the arthritis, I could move better. So I was executing in the gym better. So then it all just played on itself and it cycled to something very, very positive. Whereas for the last 20 years, I had cycled into something extremely negative and now it was the opposite. So just in brief, the progress that I made when I moved to San Francisco. um, So from the time that I moved to San Francisco until I started carb night, I lost 70 pounds. Okay. So I, I, did lose that 70 pounds before starting carb night but i want to be clear it was doing things differently than is status quo that or that is normal so mm-hmm. that was the fir- that was that 70 pounds once i started okay then oh that took 3 years once i started carb night oh my gosh <laughs> i went from 190 to 140 That's a 40-pound loss in nine months. Nine months? Big jump. (laughs) Big jump. Yeah, yeah. It it was an absolute game-changer, made all the difference in the world. And then now, uh, I'm going to use this word effortlessly. That's not 100% accurate because there are things for me that are a struggle every day. But comparatively, I have been able to effortlessly maintain my weight loss for three years Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just throw in for one of those years I was not able to work out and in that whole year I did not gain any fat and I did not lose any muscle and the way I know that is because I do this thing called a DEXA scan Um, and I think that's a
1: Incredible in and of itself, the fact that I mean, just I know the story, and I was I was there through the process, and I you know mm-hmm. I was in awe the whole time, and obviously excited um, about you know the, what you had gone through in that year where you weren't exercising. But I loved. I just want to go back to what we had mentioned before in terms of of collecting data and mm-hmm. tracking, because when you first came to me, I was very impressed by the extensive data that you brought me you came to me prepared you were like this is what i've done so far this is everything i've tracked here are notes and charts and i mean your your excel <laughs> spreadsheets were, were very impressive <laughs> but being able to have information like that to work off of makes the process so much easier and and that's something you mm-hmm. know, we've talked about in in other podcasts and um other uh blog posts on the site is tracking has its purpose. And for someone just starting off, having data to work off of is can make or break your success. And, you know, you did it a, a multiple, many different ways, you know, you tracked your food, you tracked DEXs, which um, for those of you who don't know is tracks bone density, lean body mass, muscle mass. It also shows how and where it's distributed on the body. So we had a very clear picture Mm -hmm. of what was going on, um, where things were, where we were losing it from, where the issues were. I mean, we even saw visceral fat levels, which I think a lot of people don't think about because it's internal. But having Mm -hmm. those numbers in and of themselves go down like they did the few times was Mm -hmm. very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was always a real, you know, something positive for me because while I wasn't seeing huge changes in my body overall, I saw that visceral fat go down. And that means that my heart risk of heart disease was lower. My risk of diabetes was lower. And, you know, that's great. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, you know what though, this, we are, I don't know when the podcast will air exactly, but today as I sit here, The holidays are coming up. I just finished Halloween. I had two Halloween celebrations. Got Thanksgiving coming up. I'm going to have two celebrations. In December, I will do a gingerbread day, an eggnog day, and a candy cane day. And I'll have Christmas. (laughs) And I'll have my brother's birthday. And then this year, my family is actually going to do a Star Wars day. And so, because because uh, you like, are
1: the the Jedi babe, just
0: I am the for, yes, for the I for am. the audience
1: listeners. Her her Skype contact is Jedi babe. It's it's very cute and fitting.
0: Yeah, I kind of forgot that it was on on there like that, <laughs> and it popped up, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm glad everybody can't see that. But now you told them, so okay. <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> Don't go trying to Skype her now or anything.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but the the reason I point out all of those things about the holidays is something that I am so proud of and want everybody to know is that um, for the last four holiday seasons, I've not gained any fat. But I most certainly have enjoyed my food and my celebrations um, to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to gain any weight over the holidays and you do not have to suffer and not eat the food that everybody else is eating. Uh, There's just a way to do it. Um, Right. Way to execute it and make it work.
1: And that's a great point. Um, especially cons- get, like you said, considering the time of the year and people get stressed out about how to how to manage it, how to handle it. They don't they don't want to say no. It, it can be uncomfortable if you're at a holiday party and everyone has food, and you know no, you don't want to be the one where everyone's asking like, why aren't you eating anything? Um, and I think there's there's two good points there. On that note, is a yes, you can enjoy the festivities, make it work to your advantage, um, but also mm-hmm. prioritizing goals in a season mm-hmm. like this. And and I try to uh, encourage clients not to set really high fat loss goals during this time. Um, you know, we, we always want to set ourselves up for success and not ha- have very realistic goals given whatever, mm-hmm. wherever we are in our lives, wherever we, are, wherever we are in the year or, you know, circumstances. And having a goal of just maintenance through the holidays, I think is just genius. It's smart. If you happen to lose weight during that time, awesome. Added bonus. But why put yourself in a position to where you're going to stress yourself out, you're going to feel deprived, and you're just going to end up getting down on yourself because Mm -hmm. it's too hard.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but the thing is, is you also should don't don't worry about gaining weight either. If you execute Mm -hmm. it, appropriately you're not going to gain weight either and you're not going to play catch up for the next six months in the new year right. so and there's, yeah, there, there a- isn't
1: that that guilt pleasure cycle that happens like you oh, know, we yes. enjoy the food and then we feel bad and then we go out and do crazy amounts of exercise to compensate
0: you beat yourself up mm-hmm. well I have a new philosophy on life and health and fitness and you know I'm really not the same person we already discussed that I've lost a whole person and mm-hmm. and I'm not the same person anymore. And I realized, uh, even though I loved that job I was in, I wasn't actually using my education and my skill set uh, for something that I truly loved and that I believed in wholeheartedly. And so that's why I've started my own business. And so Very I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing nutrition consulting, fitness, you know, training, behavioral change coaching. And I called my business Fully Fueled Fitness. And the reason I do that is because one of the light bulb moments for me was when I realized that food was fuel. Uh, Mm -hmm. Food is fuel for an engine. I am the engine. I'm the machine. And, you know, you got to fuel it. And my fuels are food. So that's the gas for my engine. My food is fitness and movement so that you keep from seizing up and rusting and falling apart and then fun and relaxation and prayer and meditation and just the enjoyment of life um, that keeps you having a great outlook and then sleep, you know, well, you've got to go in for routine maintenance. And that is what we do when we sleep. And basically, this is my philosophy of life now is fuel yourself. And this is a message that I want, I want to spread. I'm trying not to be an evangelist.
1: (laughs) But it's hard.
0: (laughs) It's hard. Because when you've, when you've done this much research, when you've made this much change, and when you can see how to help people do it, um, you know, it's hard not to just shout it from the rooftops. So this is my first opportunity to shout it from the rooftops. Not that you have not been shouting it for long enough. But, <laughs> but you know, you you come
1: from a different background. You Your experiences have been different. And I think mm-hmm. because of, you know, how long it's been also, like, one thing I encourage clients to do is when they're going through this process, through this journey, whatever their goal is, whatever, you know, the the end goal outcome is for them is to learn anything they can throughout the process, whether that's looking internally at, like you said, their, their behaviors, their thought process around things, why they do what they do. When it, when it's whether it comes to food, whether it comes to sleep, um, how we deal with stress—I mean, just like you said, it's all encompassed. And for someone who has their goal of, say, fat loss, it's not just okay. What are my macros? There's mm-hmm. there's so many more pieces that go into that, and it's important to look at the whole picture to understand why am I doing certain things, um, and also why. It, it is very individualistic, like how mm-hmm. we structure things, um, how you respond, because it's not just what are necessarily what our body needs, but how we deal with it along the way.
0: And being individual is a real key, a very key component here. Um, and this is why there's, e- even though we've got the carb backloading book and the carb night book, uh, which are amazingly valuable resources, there is very much something to be said for having a coach um, mm-hmm. that helps you in addition because while there are some blanket things that everyone can do, everybody's different everybody's genetics is different everybody's lifestyle is different everybody's stress is different and and food and movement uh, can be tweaked. To fit each individual person. And at some point, they will learn how to do that themselves. But for a little while, they may need some coaching and some direction and some help on how to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Very true. All the best. I think all the best teachers have coaches. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> even though I'm now, <laughs> even though I'm now, well, I've always been a teacher all my life. But even as I was a teacher, in college, teaching at the College of Veterinary Medicine at Texas A&M. And even when I was teaching high school, and I was teaching new employees at my job, I always had a mentor. And now I'm teaching nutrition and uh, fitness and behavioral change. But I have coaches in every one of those areas myself. So
1: always something more to learn. And um, we we just have a, a few minutes left before we wrap up and mm-hmm. um there you know there's there's so much to your story and so many components that um, I would love to dive into a little bit more and we've already talked about having a couple more episodes together where we touch on each of those topics um one being the disordered eating which i think is is a huge topic in and of itself mm-hmm. and the other one is is exercise and movement because that's something i would think Looking back in the past year or so, at least working together, has been uh, really interesting and very informative as Mm -hmm. to you know, manipulating it for whatever, whatever your goal was, whether it's performance or aesthetic. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we're not done with you yet, Carrie. We have some more okay. fun topics <laughs> that we're going to be talking about. Um, Great. so I'm, I, I just wanted to thank you again for joining me on the show. I, I'm really glad that we're finally sharing your story because I've been wanting you to do it for, for gosh, what feels like years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm just really happy and excited that you were able to share with us. Is there, and is, is there anything you would like to uh, finish off with? Any any call to actions or messages you'd like to leave the audience with?
0: Oh, not. Well, just just know that it is possible, and know that there is some diet lifestyle out there for you, that is made perfectly for you. And I just encourage you to look for it and find it. Engage us coaches whenever you can to help you find that. And so that you can reach whatever goals it is that you have.
1: Great message. I love it. Well, thank you again. And I uh, look forward to the next time you join us. Great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Her Body. We'll catch you next time. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to Body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.